0: The City of Ohio State podcast takes a deep dive into the support services that keep OSU's Columbus campus running 24-7. Hear from industry experts in facilities, construction, real estate, public safety, transportation, and more. The City of Ohio State podcast is brought to you by the Office of Administration and Planning. Go Bucks! Hello and welcome to the City of Ohio State podcast. I'm your host Dan Hedman. For our inaugural edition, we're joined by Monica Mall, Ohio State's Director of Public Safety. Monica, thanks for being with us. Hi Dan, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Safety's always been a top priority at Ohio State, but this past year or two, efforts and resources have certainly increased. So, it's a great time to chat about what's new, the strategy behind keeping students, faculty, and staff safe. So, First question for you, Monica, Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the makeup of public safety here at Ohio State? I know we have sworn police, uh, but it's really about more than that.
1: Yeah, we we do have a police division with an authorized strength of 70 sworn officers from the chief of police on down to the newest officer, but public safety actually has about a total of 260 employees at Ohio State, and they're spread across five different divisions. Uh, the police division, as we mentioned, but then there's also an emergency management and fire prevention division, communications and security technology. That division has our 911 dispatchers, for example. It has the alarm and video monitors that keep track of our intrusion alarms across campus and all the uh, over 4,000 surveillance cameras uh, on and off campus. And then we also have a group called Wexner Medical Center Security. That is our non-law enforcement, non-sworn security staff that work in all of the med center facilities. And then finally, we have Central Campus Security Services, and they are also another group of non-sworn security staff, non-law enforcement and they basically cover everything outside of the Med Center buildings on the rest of campus. And they also recently have acquired managing the private security firms that we have employed to enhance safety off campus.
0: Great. So yeah, a lot of hands uh, helping out at Ohio State, and that's for campus. And then as we go across the street, obviously uh, working with Columbus Police. So we we obviously a lot of times you and I will talk about. Uh, Ohio State Columbus campus as a city almost within a city, but we know a lot of Ohio State students live off campus too. So, for that reason, I know you have a close working relationship with the city of Columbus and with CPD. Uh, what has OSUPD and CPD done to expand patrols off campus and work together to keep people safe?
1: I'm glad you asked that because jurisdiction can be very confusing for our university community members. That uh, Ohio State University Police has jurisdiction on anything that the university owns. And then about half of our students, though, live off campus in the city of Columbus's police jurisdiction. And we have to have a very close working relationship with them to make sure our students off campuses are getting the same uh, off campus are getting the same safety services. And so some of the things we've done to bolster uh, our, our protection of our students off campus is uh, we'll, our mutual aid agreement. Every three years, we renew that agreement and we're going through that process right now. Part of that agreement is, uh, for example, something new that will occur this year is the university has some new buildings, University Square, that are just across High Street. Um, and some of our university staff uh, are already in there and then others will be moving into the, uh, those buildings soon. And so we have worked it out with the uh, Columbus police Uh, That OSU police would have jurisdiction of those buildings. Also, we have a program through that mutual aid agreement called Crime Interdiction, and that is where the university uh, pays overtime to both OSU PD officers and Columbus police officers to work jointly and work together to do extra patrols above and beyond the normal shifts in those off campus neighborhoods. And then also there's a provision that allows for something that's a little more permanent than those overtime patrols, which is joint patrol. And we're actually in the process of selecting three Ohio State University police officers to make it their full-time assignment 40 hours a week to patrol with Columbus police across the street in those off-campus neighborhoods. So just to be clear,
0: OSU police primarily on the Columbus campus, but there are times when, especially partnered with a CPD officer, They'll head east of High Street, for instance, where some students live.
1: Yes, that is true. Whenever they're teamed up in those in the capacities that I just mentioned, they will have jurisdiction and will work with CPD.
0: And how does that help with the sharing of information between the agencies?
1: Well, the university has a lot of uh, support services that we can provide to students. And so when our officers are working with Columbus Police across High Street and become aware of things that are impacting our students, they can be that liaison to, to student advocacy and student life and other groups that can then offer outreach and support to our students. That's great. So beyond
0: police, I know there have been additional non sworn security you referenced that earlier, but what other things has OSU done in terms of lighting cameras or non police solutions in the off campus area.
1: A lot of new things in the last uh, year or so. We have, for example, added 18 cameras off campus. I mentioned we have over 4,000 on campus, and we've uh, tried to expand that camera coverage off campus a bit. We have nine fixed cameras that are in fixed locations. And then we've also uh, deployed nine mobile cameras that could be moved to different areas, And we deployed those based on crime statistics on where we thought the the highest number of incidents were occurring. Um, And then in addition to that, we deployed 20 light towers that are also mobile units to try to brighten the areas of the university district that our students live in and frequent and we have partnered with the city to enhance their street lighting and so they're adding lights and putting in led bulbs brighter light bulbs in the current light fixtures and that's actually allowed us to take away 10 of the light towers that we had out there out of those 20. Uh, so about half have been removed because the city has improved the lighting and then we went out and tested it and made sure it was adequate. And our long-term goal really is to uh, have permanent lighting improvements to where we could remove all of those light towers. And then in addition to that, we have deployed license plate reader cameras. And we have over 60 of those now out in the university district. And we have engaged in a trial period with that company. We're 60 days. uh, We're we're given 60 days to take a look at the effectiveness uh, of those cameras. And so all of those are things, examples of other security technology, in addition to police and security patrols that we've deployed in the university district across High Street in the past year.
0: Yeah, it's hard to paint with a broad brush, but just generally all these things you're talking about, is it working?
1: Yeah, it does. It definitely seems to be working. We again, that collaboration with the city police allows us to share crime statistics. And um, we communicate daily about incidents, but then we take a step back weekly and look at, uh, you know, more holistically at the crime stats. And the three major crimes that we were most concerned about uh, at the beginning of the fall semester were aggravated assault, residential burglary, and individual robbery. And uh, as we have been tracking those three Crimes closely in the areas that we have the security technology deployed, crime's been down since we started this an average of about 60 to 70 percent in those three categories. So, I would say all of this, all of these added safety initiatives are, are having the desired effect.
0: So, you talk about crime reporting that segues nicely into what I wanted to ask about here. I know the university recently launched a new community crime map. Can you explain for the listeners briefly why this switch was made, particularly how does this differ from the previous system, and then how you incorporate any feedback from parents and students when you make a change like that?
1: Well, I think it's important, first of all, to note that nothing is changing about the way we share crime information for on-campus incidents. We will still have public safety notices that are emailed to students when something significant happens, uh, and we have not caught the suspect for on-campus, and we'll still utilize buckeye alerts for those really immediate things where we need someone to do something right now. So that won't change for on-campus, but what we used to do for off-campus incidents is we would email neighborhood safety notices out to students and university community members to let them know about more significant crimes. Usually it was crimes of violence, like a robbery or an assault, where the suspect had not been apprehended yet and those would go out periodically and when we got feedback from parents and students and especially students they wanted to see that information in more of a visual representation they had asked for a crime map and uh, you know we spent several months talking about how we could do that and maybe replace neighborhood safety notices with something more effective Uh, And many of us knew that the city police had a community crime map available, but we were uh, trying to figure out ways to make that more effective. So the community crime map now is pushed out to students on social media, email and other ways about once a week. And we try to make it a one-click solution. So when you click on it, the map is tailored to show a one-mile radius around campus. And it shows those three crimes I mentioned that we track most closely, aggravated assault, individual robbery, and residential burglary. And it'll show it for the 30 day period, the prior 30 day period for any time you click on the map. And it kind of lets a student know exactly where these crimes are occurring. And it gives the whole month rather than reading one email and not really retaining the prior emails that we had sent. So we think that's a better solution, but if you want more than that, you can go in when you click on that map and show more crimes, a larger area, a smaller area, you can really tailor it to meet your needs and you can also sign up for daily weekly or monthly email alerts on the crimes that you select and that you care most about. So we think it's a uh, kind of combines the old method with this new visual representation and we think it will be more useful to students. And we did meet with student leaders a couple times to get feedback and get their input. And then also Student Life has a parent family roundtable that meets monthly. Uh, and we touch base with that group a couple of times too, to get their feedback and input before we implemented this.
0: So if you like the emails, you can still set this up to receive emails. And then just real quick in sh- 10 seconds or less, is this speeding up or slowing down the process? I know I know, the previous ones weren't real-time alerts, but is this comparable to the timing of getting information out that you had before?
1: Yeah, I think that was sort of a misunderstanding about our neighborhood safety notices. They were never meant to be real-time alerts. We needed time to gather all the complete facts and information from Columbus police before we sent them. So they often went out the next day. And I would say if you sign up for daily alerts like I have, it's about the same or faster uh, in terms of getting that information uh, that an incident has occurred because it's coming right from the source, from CPD's crime records. Uh, And that's where we would get it, but we would have to receive it, look at it, and then resend it, and this goes directly to the user. So I would say the time is about the same, and in some cases, it's been a little faster. Good to know. Yeah, and you can find that community crime map on the public
0: safety website. So I have two more questions for you here, and I just kind of want to back up to the 1,000-foot view. I think it's really important when you're talking about policing and public safety to address relationships between law enforcement and marginalized groups. So what effort is OSUPD making to reach out to these groups and build relationships of trust across campus?
1: We have always done that, especially in the police division. Our chief of police, Kimberly Spears McNatt, is very committed to community engagement Community engagement, it's important for all facets of the university community, but even more important for historically marginalized groups and those that haven't had the best interactions potentially with law enforcement in the past and who might not feel as com- as comfortable engaging and interacting with us. And so we have to kind of take that extra step and reach out on our own and try to build relationships Uh, And to that end, we first wanted to, I mentioned we had about 260 employees, we wanted to make sure they understood why that was so important. And so we partnered with the Kerwin Institute to develop some diversity training. And they helped us put together an eight hour block of instruction, and they trained some of our police officers to be instructors, kind of like a train the trainer program. And we implemented that training and trained all police officers so far this year. And we're now expanding that to dispatchers, security officers and other DPS employees. Uh, And a a portion of that training is to explain why these community engagement activities uh, are so important in enhancing the safety because safety means different things to different people. Um, And not everyone feels comfortable interacting with police. Uh, And sometimes police can make them uh, feel unsafe due to their perception of police. And so through our public safety advisory committee, um, barbecues that we have, a community police academy, panels, open forums, uh, we really try from the top down from the the chief is very busy with community engagement activities, but she's also trying to get all of her officers involved to make sure uh, that we build and maintain those relationships and keep open lines of communication. It just
0: shows that research and learning doesn't stop in the classroom. It happens at OSU PD too. So. Great conversation, Monica. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss safety and all things Ohio State has going on.
1: Thanks, Dan. It was great talking to you. The City of Ohio State podcast is brought
0: to you by the Office of Administration and Planning. On our next episode, we'll provide a rundown of major construction happening on campus from a new inpatient hospital and a blossoming innovation district to an investment in the arts. Until next time, be kind and go Bucks.